Good morning, everybody. Welcome to FSU Coach Live. My name is Tim Baggers. Joined this morning by a special guest, Kenny Ruddick. He is the sprints and hurdles coach for Sachem uh, North Varsity Track Team. Kenny, thank you for joining me this morning. Uh, excited to have you on the show. If you wouldn't mind, just share a little bit about your background and how you ended up in the position you're in today. Sure. Thank you for having me, by the way. Um, so I have been a coach for over the past six years now. and I had originally, before that, I was an athlete. Um, I ran uh, at the college level. Um, ended up getting a coaching job right after that and um, coached at the college level and then transitioned over to the high school level and um, been, been coaching ever since. Talk to me a little bit about the transition from being an athlete to being a coach. How did that happen? Was it a, you just, it just kind of fell into your lap or is it something you wanted to do? Um, it kind of did fall in my lap, actually. So I had originally was planning to run at Stony Brook University, but um, my eligibility kind of ran out. And so obviously that was a little devastating to me. Um, and around that same time, um, the assistant coach over at Suffolk had posted on Facebook that there was an opening at Suffolk. And I jokingly messaged her and said, oh, maybe I should apply for it. And uh, she said, no, you really should. And um, ever since then, I, I went and applied. They wanted to bring me on. and. Um, and then it was a wrap ever that. But um, I, I would say the transition wasn't too difficult for me because I had um, coaches that had coached me in college were kind of mentoring me and making sure I was set up for success. And, um, and that helped me a lot. Um, I also took it super seriously, especially at first. I studied a lot. Um, you know, I obviously had experience with doing workouts at the high school and college level. So I kind of knew what the workout should and shouldn't be. Um, but I, I didn't really have a, a hard time transitioning um, as a coach. One of the, I guess the interesting challenges is for, for a lot of coaches who, who start out early on in their careers is they're a lot younger than the more mature coach, so to speak. And so the age gap between who you're working with and how old you are is quite small. Mm -hmm. Was What was that experience like for you? And how did you kind of separate yourself from being one of the one of the group, so to speak, who may be a year or two older than, than people in the group. And, hey, I'm, I'm a coach here. I, I can't be doing what you're doing. Um, well, I mean, we had a really good team at the time. So the whole team took it very seriously. We knew that we had, you know, big dreams of winning these national championships and whatnot. So, um, you know, when I came in, we knew that we were getting to work. Um, you know, we, we, we set a lot of realistic goals and, um, when we got into the season, um, everyone was laser focused and, um, you know, being that, that we had four coaches working on the staff, um, we were able to, um, you know, just keep everything focused. And, um, I didn't really have a problem with gaining respect to the kids or anything like that. Um. But I did make them run, and, and we, we worked really hard. So that kind of demanded their respect a little bit. Um, I didn't really let – like, if you were coming in late, you, you were, you were going to get an earful from me. So they knew um, that I was just as serious as that they were. Mm -hmm. you, you were at college – you were coaching college for a few years, and then you moved into the, the high school realm. What was the rationale for, for making that kind of decision? Because for a lot of coaches, they see – high school, junior high is a stepping stool to college, mm -hmm. whereas you kind of went the opposite direction. I'm wondering what the rationale was for that. 
So I had hit a crossroads where it was either take my college coaching to that next level. Um, there was a little bit of instability with that as far as, you know, maybe I would travel to a smaller D3 or D2 school. I may be moving around a little bit. Um, so that, that was a, it made it a really tough decision. It was either, you know, take that chance and risk the instability or pursue a career in marketing, which is what my degree was in. Um, and around about that same time, I said, all right, let me pursue my marketing career. And um, the coach over at Stony Brook University, Coach Howard, um, had told me there's an opening at this high school. I think you'd be a great fit. Um, he put me in touch with the head coach there. And I really loved uh, what he was doing with this program. He had been coaching there for at least 30 years or so. So, um, you know, the culture was great. I, I enjoyed um, the other coaches that I worked with. And it made the decision really easy at that point. And um, ever since the first year on, I, it was it was really uh, enjoyable working with the, with the kids at the high school level. We, we do have a question for you in the chat box, and it's from Xavier Vega. And it's kind of flipping that and says, what advice would you give to a high school coach that's wanting to make the jump into coaching at the collegiate level? What can you do to get that foot in? Um, for me, it's it, it was really about networking and, and who I knew. Every opportunity that I've ever been given was kind of by chance, um, whether a coach had put something on Facebook and I reached out and took advantage of that or um, the coach reaching out to me uh, from Stony Brook and saying, hey, there's an opportunity. So I would say expanding your network, trying to meet, you know, um, as many college coaches in your field as possible, making those connections, letting them know, you know, what your goals are and um, and, th and then it may just land at your foot. So mm. that would be my best advice for that. Yeah, I would also say that you probably have to know what you're doing too, right? Yes, uh, that's important too. You, you meet the right people, but you better know what you're doing when you meet them. Uh, mm -hmm. it, talking a little bit about track because a lot of the, the coaches that I have on the show, you know, we get your typical football, basketball um, and so on. and, and you know, that's, that's expected because there's so many programs in the U.S. Track, I don't get that many people on the show who are track coaches. Can you talk a little bit about how that your coaching world might be a little different to maybe a typical team sport? Um, so coaching track, I mean, you got to think that there's, you have the team element where you have all these kids or all these athletes on one team, but there's so many different events. There's over 50 events on track and field. So um that that's kind of the the best part about it is that when you're combining all these events and trying to get the kids to um you know win individually but also it helps better the team so it has that aspect to it the other thing about track and field is that it's an international sport i mean it's mm -hmm. one of the big olympic sports um usain bolt kind of came on the scene and electrified it um which brought a little bit more popularity to track and field but um, I think the popularity and the, the viewership at track and field has risen since then. And um, I don't really see it declining. I still see it as an upside. So um, it'll, it'll gain popularity. It, it may not be that big money sport like football or basketball, but um, it's one of those sports that there's just so, so many different things going on um, at, at any given meet or invitational that um, it could be interesting for anyone um, of any kind of uh, athlete type. Do you, do you recruit athletes to a track team with the argument that, you know, what you're doing for them can help them in other sports as well, where it's cross training? Yeah. So um, a lot of football players run track in the spring to, uh, you know, help them get with their speed. Um, so I would say, you know, 
in terms of like even at the high school level, <clears throat> um, we'll, we'll take any soccer player and we know that they're going to be um, doing pretty good at maybe the mid distance level or even a sprinter. Um, you know, volleyball or basketball players, they may have really good jumping uh, abilities. And so we might take them, stick them in uh, to some of the jumping events. Um, gymnasts tend to be pretty good at hurdles and pole vault. Um, so you really get a mixed bag of multi-sport athletes that can come and join a track team and benefit, um, you know, getting, getting a little faster, getting more explosive. Um, and then you see it kind of help them out in their other sports as well. Mm. Do you, does that create conflict with other coaches in other teams where there's, well, I don't want them doing that during, I want them doing this during the off season. So they're better at my sport when, you know, springtime or fall comes around. I don't hear that often. I'm sure there are some coaches that would prefer their kids play soccer all year round and do the club teams and the travel teams like that. Um, but from from the perspective of the, the athlete, you know, if something's going to make you a little bit better and give you an edge over your competition, say in soccer, um, I would be all for it. I mean, if it's going to help you become a faster sprinter and right. get a little bit quicker, you know, when you're making your cuts and things like that, then, you know, why not? Mm. Now, can I can I ask? You said you ran. What did you run when you were an athlete? Um, I was a four hundred meter hurdle specialist. I also ran the four by four, and you know, I played around in some other events. But my, my main event was the four hundred meter hurdles. So when you're when you're coaching, I'm guessing you're going to have to coach a lot of athletes in different events. You talked about the fifty events. How, how yeah. do you how do you do that based on the fact that a lot of the events you may not have ever competed in or or trained in? Um, I mean, I, I definitely gained a lot of experience when I would coach decathletes so the, or, mm -hmm. or the heptathletes. So they were doing 10 or seven events. Mm -hmm. um, so we would be running around. I would work closely with the throws coach and with the jumps coach. And obviously I would help with the sprints and hurdles and, and anything like that. They would help out with their respective events. And then for things like maybe the 800 or the distance events, um, we might all, you know, not have the experience in it, but we'll wing it. And <laughs> We'll, we'll try to figure it out. Um, but yeah, a, a lot of running around, many different events. I can even go and help out with the jumps if I have to. So, um, I mean, track and field, if you're, if you're a track and field person, you, you kind of know a little bit about all those events, um, especially, you know, from competing and then coaching, just being around it all that time. I, I could confidently kind of coach any event really um, with the exception of maybe distance, a little, a little out there for me, but now you're you're working full-time and and then you're coaching on the side how do you how do you balance that because i suspect that you're you're coaching track because it's a passion of yours and so it's easy to become very invested in something like that spend a lot of hours doing that traveling with the team and so on uh yet at the same time you've got these full-time job responsibilities how do you how do you make sure you balance it all and stay sane to some extent I would say lots of early mornings and late nights. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, I've never had a hard time balancing everything. Um, maybe it's just because I'm always on the move and I'm always going from one place to the other. Um, sometimes it does get hard though, if you're traveling on the weekends to maybe the team splits up and you have two different meets, one on Saturday, one on Sunday, um, that could get a little hectic. You have those early mornings as well that could turn into late nights. Um, it, it really just, um, just keeping focused and, and knowing that you're making a difference both at my day job and uh, coaching um, is what kind of keeps me going. So, hmm. yeah. Well, 
how do you, what are some of the challenges you face as a coach in, in high school? Um, well, one challenge for me is sometimes I have to leave my day job early to get to practice a little early if I want to focus with some athletes on something. Um, so I've had to, you know, maybe get in the office a little early one day to uh, make sure that I get everything done. Um, some of the other challenges, you get a really mixed bag of athletes at the high school level. So at Sachem North, we have over 100 girls on the team at some time. Wow. So you get a lot of mixed personalities. You get some very talented athletes. You get some that are kind of just in there for the ride, and they just, oh, well, we're just going to run for a season. It'll be fun. Um, so being able to balance out the expectations and kind of treat everyone in the same way um, in terms of what their athletic abilities are, I think that was a challenge that I was able to, to overcome very quickly, actually, um, and kind of just keep everyone again, keep everyone laser focused and say, all right, let's get a little bit better today. Let's get a little bit better tomorrow. And then kind of that's how we go for it. All right. So let me, let me push a little bit because you got all these, you got all these athletes, some are very talented and really driven. They want to, you know, get a scholarship and some are just kind of like, Hey, you know, as you said, I'm, I'm here for, for the experience. How do you balance pushing those who really want it versus pushing those who are just there for fun, but you're not just there for fun. You want them to be successful. Do you have any advice or strategies for the ones who are just kind of not really that motivated? I mean, it's tough to motivate everyone. Everyone gets motivated in different ways. Um, one thing is to try to make it fun. I mean, running around in circles uh, and killing your athletes um, isn't always exactly fun for them. But um, when they get out and they compete and they do well, um, it's kind of like an eye opener for them. Like, wow, I, I got better since my last race and all this hard work is starting to pay off. And um, it doesn't matter if, if you're the best athlete or the worst athlete on the team. If you're, if you're hitting a PR and running a, a personal best time, um, I'm going to be at the finish line hyping you up and saying, great job, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then it's always nice to see the family uh, come over after the race and say, oh, my God, you did so good. Mm -hmm. um, th those are some of the ways that, that will motivate any athlete, um, to be honest. So um, that's kind of how I keep, like to keep everyone motivated. Now, you talked about making it fun. And we know from research that, that keeping things fun keeps, keeps athletes engaged and motivated and coming back. Can you give some examples about how you keep something like track fun? Because I could see it being very repetitive uh, mm -hmm. and therefore quite boring for a lot of athletes. Just do this over and over and over, do these splits over and over and over. Yeah. How do you, how do you incorporate fun into that? Um, I guess trying to keep it light as far as, you know, obviously we're coming in to practice, we're ready to work. We got to stay serious. Um, but anytime that there's breaks in between, we try to keep it light, um, have a little fun there. We, we may, instead of running a crazy workout on the track, we may go and do some hills, but I'll throw in like categories. Like if you're wearing white shoes, you're going and, and things like that, just to try to keep it interesting and fun. Um, we may do something where the whole team is involved versus just the small groups that we work with. Mm -hmm. um, and that, and that, can, that can be good too. Um, basically anything to mix it up can be good. Maybe a change of scenery. We may um, take the distance squad. They may go out towards the beach or the lake and run around that area, something a little off campus. So that'll keep it interesting as well. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah. When, when you look at coaching track as a whole, you talked about all the different disciplines and um, 
you're you're a big program and can you talk a little bit about the size of your program because as you said it's it's before we started it's it's larger than i realized mm. how then do you do you work together with other coaches because a lot of programs will be small there's maybe a head coach an assistant coach that's not the same in your group so how do you work on logistics and making sure all your coaches are on the same page and working together well, after the first week and we start to get all the names down, um, then it becomes a little easier. But, um, you know, e each coach will take their group of athletes. So the jumps coach will kind of pick. We'll, we'll do testing first. So they'll, they'll do some standing broad jumps and things like that. We'll try to see who's who's has strengths and weaknesses here and there. And then we'll try to plug them into the events that we think are a best fit for them. Um, but, you know, some of the athletes will cross over. So some of my athletes may be great jumpers and vice versa. They may be good hurdlers. And so then we got to coordinate how we're going to split the time. Some athletes will come over. They'll do hurdles for the first hour. And then I'm sending them over to jumps to uh, get some long jump work in. So um, it can get a little hairy trying to coordinate, especially when you have a good athlete that's good at multiple events or even a, a multi-event athlete. Um, they might be constantly running around. They might be doing three event groups in one day. Um, and then on running days, you know, you got kids that, um, will be running the short sprints, but they're also kind of a mid distance runner. So they might actually get kicked over to the coach who does the distance workouts. Um, so it does take a little bit of coordination, especially when there's that many girls on the team. But, um, I think after, after a little bit of time, we kind of got it down packed to a science. Now we do pretty good with that. Now the, the assumption is that, that life is, life is good right? Everything goes according to plan. Everything works out the way it's supposed to. Athletes train the way they're supposed to. And, and as a consequence, you're successful year in, year out. I suspect that's not always the case. And I wondered if you could share kind of maybe some of the realities of coaching, some of the, the areas where maybe you, you are thinking, man, why am I doing this? Why am I, why am I doing this some days? Can you, can you give some examples of, of situations where, you know, it just doesn't always work out the way you wanted it to? Um, yeah, no, I've never, <laughs> never really had bad experiences with coaching. I, I mean, I guess going out when it's cold outside is a little tough. I've learned to layer up. Um, so it hasn't really been a problem. Um, sometimes you'll get a couple athletes who may not take it seriously and they may bring some of the other athletes down in terms of mm -hmm. maybe they're goofing off a little bit too much and things like that, or maybe they'll go and disappear for a half hour and then just show back up. Um, I mean, one of the obvious reasons is we'll, we'll have a talk with an athlete who may be bringing others down. And then if the problem persists, we may cut them. We don't normally cut people off the team though, but if we have to, we will, um, especially if it affects other athletes. So that, I guess that would be one problem that I, I've seen in the past. Um, another problem, not necessarily at Sachem, but, um, I've seen this in the past where maybe their grades aren't where they should be. Um, and if they're not doing good academically, um, they should be focusing on that because at, at the end of the day, you want to get your degree and you want to be successful um, in that regard. So trying to balance out the, um, the schoolwork as well as the um, being an athlete, um, I think can also be a big challenge. Um, and then also, if, when you have a lot of people on a team, there's a lot of personalities. Some of those personalities may not coexist well together. So trying to bring them together, you know, as a team. Um, give an example, maybe the four by 400 meter relay, you got four different girls and they're all working together for one goal, but um, you got to make sure that they're all on the same page. And um, 
and that they they're getting along well. I think that's a big part. So do you do any kind of activities or how do you get them to, to work together towards that goal? What strategies do you have to make sure that they're, they understand that this is a team event in this situation, but in 20 minutes, I'm going to be racing by myself or, or mm. maybe against these teammates. I mean, winning is always a motivator. So, you know, we go in with high hopes of doing well. No one wants to finish in last place, obviously. So mm. um, you have those time goals and things like that. Um, but the other thing is, you know, like say with the relay, they're, they're practicing handoffs throughout the week um, to make sure that their handoffs are nice and, and crisp during the meet. So, um, you know, if, if they're doing some handoffs three, three times a week, you know, they get some time to bond with each other and, and um, you know, get to know each other at a little bit of a deeper level. Um, and I, I'll say this, that re relays, especially when you do well, it, it brings the whole relay together. So it's almost like this really big kind of like, family bonding experience, you know, sharing that, that memory that you guys, you know, killed it together, you worked together. Um, and then same thing in defeat. If, if maybe someone gets tripped up and, and then they, they get disqualified or you drop the baton, then you got to work through that and you got to say, all right, well, next time we're going to get better. We're going to practice this a little more and uh, come back stronger. So. You've been coaching for several years now and, and you mentioned you coached in college and, and now in high school. Looking back on your experiences, what advice would you have for others who are looking to get into coaching or, or maybe improve as coaches so that they kind of learn from your lessons, whether good lessons or bad? I would say have a plan in mind. So if you have certain goals in coaching, like say you're at the high school level and you're trying to work your way up to the college level, I would clearly define your goals and kind of put um, maybe some, some kind of action plan together. Um, it's always good to, good to be um, prepared. Um, I would also be realistic with everything. So your job search may be limited at first and you got to be ready to adapt. So again, like you may, you may end up coaching at a couple smaller schools before you get that big break um, to the bigger school. So um, don't be afraid to take a smaller job to use as a stepping stone. Um, same thing with internships or being even a, a volunteer coach. I, I know, a lot of coaches will go that route before they get their big break. So um, I'd say keep track of all your accomplishments. Um, it's kind of like a portfolio for yourself. Um, and then professional development. I think you should, I think everyone should try to get, make themselves better every day. So whether you're reading or watching videos or just getting out there and networking, um, you should always be constantly learning and trying to make yourself a little bit better. Um, and, and I, Go ahead. Sorry. No, you're good. Oh, you know, when we were having this conversation um, via email before you, you did the interview, you mentioned the six P's and I wanted to throw that in there because I don't think anybody's mentioned it in any of the videos yet. <laughs> yeah, so the six P's, prior planning prevents piss poor performance. Um, that's a motto I learned back in high school when I was on the wrestling team. The wrestling coach would say that all the time. Um, and it kind of stuck with me because like even even for today, you know, I prepared um, for the interview. I made sure that I knew what I wanted to talk about and um, make sure that I was prepared because I could be sitting here like, oh, I don't know. So um, you could take that, that the six P's and, and put that with whatever you're doing and it'll be relevant. Mm -hmm. we, we did have one more question I wanted to get to from Steve Pruitt. He says, how do you, quote unquote, recruit athletes that only want to concentrate on one sport? would really benefit from participating in track and field. So 
you've got that athlete, right? They're the basketball player who you're like, man, I wish I could get them into hurdles because they're fast and athletic and would be very successful in our program. How do you, how do you go and convince that person to, to try something maybe they've never tried before? I'd say like anything in life, you got to give it some value. So any, any athlete that comes on the track and field team, you're going to get faster by the end of the season. You're going to get stronger. You're going to become more explosive. Um, I mean, track and field, we train in a, in a certain way that, um, at least I train a certain way that's going to help athletes become more explosive. Um, that's kind of my thing. So it, whether you're a basketball player or a soccer player, um, that, that's going to help you out on the turf or on the court. Um, and so that if you're building, if you build enough value and say, listen, you're going to benefit from competing in track and field in your other sports, um, the, the athletes will be more likely to, you know, give it a second thought. Mm. Have you ever had a side question, ever had athletes who you've pulled into track and field who ended up becoming, you know, focusing on track and field as opposed to the sport they were playing? Yeah, I had a, um, a really good lacrosse player who we pulled in for winter track and obviously she couldn't do spring track because that was when lacrosse was. But, um, in winter track, I mean, she was a really, really good hurdler. Um, she was, she was just an all around good athlete and, you know, she kind of took it as, you know, something that was fun and it would help her with her lacrosse in the spring. Um, but at the same time, when, when she started getting to a, a really good level, a very competitive level, um, you know, we kind of took it, took it a little more serious and, um, you know, we had a lot of fun doing it. And it definitely did help her with her lacrosse career. She's uh, she's over at the D1 level now. So, Well, I, I want to be cognizant of your time. And, and I know that there may be people watching in future, whether it be on YouTube or listening to the podcast, who have questions for you. What's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Um, you can reach me on social media. Um, Instagram, KennyR33. Twitter is KennyR underscore 33. Um, reach me by email kennyjr347 at gmail um or you can find me on facebook kenny ruddick easy enough kenny's everywhere uh, on social media <laughs> apparently um so if you have a question for kenny and you weren't able to get it into the show or you know you're watching and it's not live be sure to get him a question kenny i want to say thank you for for spending the time and just sharing a little bit about your knowledge uh in track and field and your experiences as a college and high school coach. Um, just want to ask, is there anything else that we haven't covered that you feel like you need to, to share with everybody? Uh, no, not really. Always put the team first. If you're uh, looking to be a coach, team first, athlete second, and put yourself last. That would be my best advice. Thank you so much for joining me. And of course, just a reminder that we have these shows every week. If you haven't yet subscribed to YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, wherever, be sure to do so so you get notification of when we do go live. But on behalf of myself, Tim Baghurst and Kenny Reddick, thank you so much for watching. Thanks, Tim.